I'm back out at Bottoms. Not often I get to say that in my uh, everyday life. And there's black ominous clouds all above us. And in the distance, we can see the water raging. Uh, I reckon in about five, 10 minutes, you might get to hear us walking past that. That will be a lovely moment. The geese ahead, always saying hello. And it's late afternoon. And today I am with a Helen, Helen Thornhill who is from Move More Glossop, you are project lead, lead project person. Hang on, you confuse me when you, off mic, Helen just said, she is not a project. <laughs> so what is your job title, Helen? I'm Move More Lead. I head up strategy for encouraging people to move more in Glossop and the surrounding area. Fantastic. And um, we connected um, via the Bureau uh, which is based in Glossop. The Bureau is a fantastic organisation which supports people of all different kinds of demographics. People who are older, needing befrienders, called companions, um, and even one of the programmes which I volunteer with is uh, called Life Skills, um, where we help people get back into work, get back into education, who are maybe just struggling with life and need that extra support. Yep, so do check out the Bureau if you haven't heard of them. They're always looking for volunteers and highly rewarding. But we were at a, an event the other day and I grabbed Helen and I said, Helen, I'm doing this crazy podcast about walking around here and I'd love to talk to you about, you know, how do you overcome? For some people who are listening to this, they might be, they might be thinking, oh, I love the sound of where Claire is walking. The reservoirs sound brilliant. I can hear all the wildlife but it's not for me. I don't feel that confident in getting out and walking. How do you deal with that kind of mindset in, in motivating people? We've got a whole range of different ways of walking. So you can do things like story walks in Manor Park or in Howard Park or in Bankswood Park. Those are where you follow a story around the park. The characters in the story lead you around the park to different points and point out the nature. Or you can join a walking group that will walk you up Bleaklow. So we've got that extreme of and everything in between. So we have something for everybody's ability. Some are completely accessible. So if you're wheeling, you can come and join the pot around the park because it's completely accessible for those in wheelchairs. We've got a ramblers group that go around here. They're called the Reservoir Ramblers. Um, they meet every Wednesday morning. They do a four mile, roughly four mile walk, about 12,000 steps at a nice sociable level. You know, like what we're doing now. Um, you know, so, and, they, and they take in the countryside, they listen to the reservoirs, they learn about the engineering of the reservoirs. You know, it's, it's not just walking. It's about the social side, the well-being. Being out in the great outdoors, we have got. I mean, we're privileged to live where we live, you know. From as even on a grey day like today, I mean, it's just beautiful, isn't it? Yeah. It's... Lockdown was obviously a situation where a lot of people found themselves with more time, and they needed to get out and just enjoy their exercise of thirty minutes or so. I guess some people would say now that life is busy. They don't always feel like they've got time to get out. There can be 
life's usual barriers have come in the way, haven't they? You know, yeah. people are busy. Yes, people are busy. But one of my things about moving is about stealth movement. So building activity into your daily lives that don't affect how busy you are. For example, um, women, when they um, enter menopause, they start to have muscle wastage. So resistance exercises, oh, it sounds scary, resistance exercises, what, what are them? You can build them into your daily lives. Instead of driving your car right up to, to the um, door of Tesco or whichever supermarket you choose to go to. Other supermarkets are available. Is that what you just <laughs> <Yes>. did? Part <laughs> <laughs> um, your car away leave your, your, your trolley at the door and carry your bags. That is resistance exercise. Okay. Taking the weight of the carrier bags and walking across the car park with your bags. There's a simple resistance exercise. Takes no additional time of your day and because it's part of your routine. It's just building it in. Little things like that. Walking the kids to school every day. To walk half a mile to school takes you 10 minutes at an average walking pace. 10 minutes by the time you've got the kids in the car fasten them in the car seats gone driven half a mile parked up got them back out the car seats that's taking you 20 minutes so why not do the 10 minute walk i feel like you're going to have an answer for everything <laughs> can we just stop for one second and like just look over the left i've also just seen well there's about seven dogs walking towards us Woo! they must be dog walkers we are stood right by a gate which is locked you can't go down to this bit but you can hear how much water. I mean, in the last week, we've seen so much rain. We've seen snow drifts. I imagine all the ice and the snow from the tops of the hills where I was a few days ago is starting to come down as springs into streams, into rivers, into reservoirs. Wow. I mean, we're going to walk across the bridge in a moment and uh, that, I think, is going to be even louder. So the premise of Move More, you know, it's kind of... I've been doing these walking podcasts, which I'm sure that lots of people will probably be enjoyed listening to the stories. Um, but the premise, I suppose, of getting the confidence to go out as well. I mean, I remember when I first started getting fit, I've put a lot of effort into losing considerable amount of weight. In the last four years, I've lost five stone. And a big way that I did that has been walking. Yeah. I kind of find that crazy for where I am today, having done this yeah. several weeks of podcasting and walked over a hundred kilometers just doing these podcasts. It's when you get that point where you know you want to do something, but getting started, it's can take quite a big step of knowing which step to take first, if yes. you forgive the pun. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting barrier that actually, that where do you start? start in your local park or even walking down your street build it slowly you know you're not expected to be able to stomp up a, a great big hill and touch a trig point i think what i really appreciate about what you do is you offer support and connection and a community because we know that sometimes when we try and set ourselves these big goals we can't always do it Hello. ourselves you know yeah. if, if i lean over here what my thoughts sound like some days <laughs> oh and the rain's falling too you know when you feel slightly overwhelmed just go over to the left side this is me when I wake up every morning you know our head gets busy like that doesn't it and, yes. and and I think when you're accountable and you have that community and that support network which is what you offer from some of the programs yeah. that's a big 
win in just getting yourself started? Yes, it is. Um, and we we start with befrienders. So like the befriending service at the BRO, that service is around um, bringing like for like people, people of similar interests together. So there's a lot of research goes on in the background before people are linked together um, to make sure that they have got common ground. They can take people out walking if that's something that they, they want to do. Yeah, you know? befriending. So, you know, for people who might be feeling lonely or yeah. disconnected, you know, feeling a bit unheard in the community and yeah. a team of social prescribers that work at the Bureau go and meet them and say, right, we've got some volunteers. We know you're into reading, you're into writing, which is one of the things I did, actually, when I had a befriender, befriendee. Yes. I was a befriender to a befriendee. Yes. I'm making up words <laughs> no, now. making up words <laughs> But one of the things we were encouraged to do was to come out and go for walks or go to the coffee shop. Yeah. And so I imagine then that's where you can start to bring befrienders across to some of the groups to get yes, them exactly. out in bigger groups. Yeah. Yeah. So, it, you know, if you, if you are lacking in confidence and worried about joining a group, then we do do the one-to-one type walking, buddy walking, and then they will go with the befriendy to a walking group and be with them for as long as they need that confidence that to lift their anxiety so that they then build friendship within that them groups and sometimes the groups might not be the right groups for them there's so many groups to choose from there's always going to be somebody that you will bond with you know this and and the walk leaders amazing groups of volunteers always full of chat full of knowledge so you never feel like you're on your own in these groups. You know, there's always somebody that will, will be there with you talking. From a well-being and a, and a mental health point of view, when you're walking, you talk more openly. The lack of eye contact when you're walking allows you to feel more secure about what you're talking about um, because there's no intense moment. Well, you uh, sat just, opposite each yes. other at a table, staring yes. into each other's yeah, eyes. Yeah. And right. feeling under pressure to... All the walk leaders have all been on like mental health first aid training and that sort of thing to be able to facilitate them sort of conversations if they need to. That's but, fascinating. You know what? I, I never put two and two together that that is... Because I have had some of the deepest conversations, I have some of the best friendships yeah. form from just going for a walk. And I always think... If you can walk side by side someone you don't know very well and be comfortable with the inevitable silences, but the conversation keeps flowing, that's a sign of a good friend. Yes, yeah. The same thing happened to me. I'm a run leader. I realised actually some of my best friends had come from running and talking whilst we're running, because we're shoulder to shoulder, sharing experiences. I was a run leader for mums and... When you've got young children, you have lots of anxieties for various reasons and being able to share their experiences and get advice and just the fact that you've been able to talk about it takes away that anxiety. You suddenly realise you're not on your own. That's a massive one, isn't it? I've done lots of podcast series about loneliness. I worked with AGK Cheshire for a number of years looking into how and why people become lonely and we looked at mostly over 50s but also I was very conscious that as I was making the series I lived on my own, Um, I was single, I was in my 30s and I was at times feeling like the loneliest I've ever felt and I almost felt like I had something in common you know I'd sat 
opposite you know a man who was 75 <laughs> and for a moment it was like we understood each other and I think if you have faced loneliness it's a kind of feeling that you can't really describe to someone who hasn't felt it no. um, but uh, at the same time people can be lonely in a family because the voice isn't being heard yes so as a mum quite often you become isolated because you're just a mum you lose your identity as a person it's very easily done that because you give up work to to have your child and you, you're rebuilding relationships you're refinding yourself so we're just going through like a rather muddy patch <laughs> we are yeah i should probably say where we are we've we've come up from the the big bridge of water we've come up a gravelly path a slight uphill and we're just walking past now we're taking it a right before the Longdendale um, Environmental Centre and actually on the left as we go past the muddy patch onto another bridge is uh, Claire's Sensory Garden I like this Claire because the Claire's spelt the same as my Claire yes you know whilst I'm not a mom I have used walking as a way to process changes in my life yes. grieving for instance mm -hmm. moving to a new place with no friends no connections as I did three and a half years ago when I came here and walking around here and being on my own and then kind of looking at other people thinking oh wish I could like have friends to go walking with here I am on a podcast of a month <laughs> finding brand new friends to, who are up for coming out on a rainy day, <laughs> Any day. oh yes. how things change <laughs> but I think uh yeah that sense of connection that we were mentioning so one of the groups that is part of the program Hello, three geese overhead. They, they're a group that meet and walk around the reservoirs and perhaps we are kind of pretending that we are doing one of the walks that they might do. Yes. What's that group about and what do they do? So they meet on a Wednesday morning um, and they're called the Reservoir Ramblers. Um, Catchy. Yes. Does what it says on the tin. Exactly. It's a medium level walking group, I'd describe it as. They meet every week, they mix it up, so they might do Bottoms and Vale House, or they might do Vale House and Rose, Rosewood. The yeah. loops, I think, that are around here are endless. Yeah. And one yeah. of the things I've really found, you know, doing this podcast is I'm noticing far more routes. It's very easy when you go and walk on your own to get stuck in default. Yes. You know, where you're just walking the same, doing the same loop, so... I guess uh, part of this is encouraging people to mix it up a bit. Yeah, like by walking with a walk leader that's planning walks and looking for alternative routes, you learn where the cut-throughs are, you learn where the new where paths are that you wouldn't have otherwise known. I mean, we can see somebody walking across the path on the other side of the reservoir at the moment. Yeah, they are actually on what is, I discovered, a medieval tra trackway. Oh, right, OK. Off Hadfield Main Road. Yes. The one-off there, isn't it? Exactly. Yes. Things that you learn doing a podcast, honestly. <laughs> I mean, do you have, like, kind of statistics, then, of, like, what difference walking makes? Well, obviously, the, sort of the physical and mental health well-being all go together. And I think that since COVID, that's become more and more reinforced that people have become became isolated during covid and mental health issues increased and the realization actually that being physically active is a good solution to a lot of people's mental health issues um 
with the endorphins and the pheromones and everything that you get from being out, outdoors and the talking, like we're saying, about social interaction that goes along with walking in, with companions. We're, we're currently looking at a walking programme for the whole of the High Peak, pinpointing where those that don't walk, why don't they walk, how can we help them, enable them to walk more. Women, bizarrely, you wouldn't have thought so, but women between the ages of 35 and 50 are quite low level walking in the high peak in comparison to the national average. That's one of our focus groups is we need to identify why that's happening um, and what do we do to enable them women that aren't walking on to actually get out there and do some walking. It's very likely to be to do with safety, not feeling safe whilst they're out and about. And that's where the groups come in because you are safe in numbers. Women have a tendency to not want to walk on paths they don't know because the insecurity of being somewhere on your own and not truly knowing. Women, there's a lot of studies around women and girls about safety and needing to know where their safe exit is. So even in play areas and things like that, we look at safe exits as a child I remember that feeling. You always try to put yourself in the safe space so you always were the person nearest the exit. And girls, it's a natu- it's almost like a built into us to be that way. And so I think safety is one of the biggest things. I could definitely attest to that, that, you know, I am in that age group. And I think it's only really because I've done a lot more walking in the last few years that I've, I've built my confidence, I've yes. built my knowledge, built my experience and I have walked with groups, I've walked with friends and more recently now I do have the confidence to walk on my own, I know how to plan a route better, I know some of the pitfalls, what to pack in a bag it can be quite a lot to kind of take on, you can come up easily with a lot of excuses of yes. why you don't want you to do it yes. once you've, that sense of achievement that I get, I think you get Hi. Hi. When you um, complete a walk, it's such a buzz. I mean, on some of the bigger walks that I've done recently, I've come back and my husband is like super fit. He loves his running as well. And I said to him, you know how you feel when you finish like a, a marathon or a triathlon? That's how I feel right now. Because the whole few days building up to it, I was telling myself, who do you think you are? you're not strong enough, you're going to get tired, you're not going to be able to keep up, you're not going to, you know, you're going to look so uncool and you can't do this. And that anxiety would be building and building and building and building. And then almost like the relief of the adrenaline when I'd completed this was amazing. And even now, I think in, in recent months, I've started to challenge myself because I always have been the type of person who stuck to the kind of low level paths the safe paths of the reservoir and then over time I've started to build my confidence to take a little step towards the top and to do that multiple times you know when I started going and visiting plane crash sites for instance you know you've got to be up the top for those and doing that in groups I would worry I suppose a barrier for me for walking with a group would be but I don't want to hold everyone back I don't want to slow everybody down that is one of Uh, it does come across a lot the walk leaders are trained to deal with them anxieties the idea of all the walking groups is that you go at the pace of the lowest level because and not make that person feel uncomfortable because everybody has got their own reasons for being in that walking group you're there as a team 
and it's about the social side of it as well. I'll keep going back to that, that it's about the mental health, it's about connecting with people, connecting with nature. So you don't have to be charging off at 100 miles You're not going to get a medal if you finish first. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. There are a lot of different things happening on the doorstep and I think it's a good reminder of that. We are coming out of the, the gate. We're at Vale House Dam now. So we're going to walk. We've, we're leaving the shelter of the trees into the pouring rain. I'm going to go over where Vale House Dam begins. And the rain hits our face. Those ominous clouds have turned up. Hello. Hello. Where are you going today? We've been round two Rezzers. Yeah, right round this one and then up and round the other one. And how is it? Is it muddy? Yeah, it is. The water loud over and, there? Uh, it's a bit slippy, you have to be careful. So it'll probably be all right for you youngins. <laughs> Speak for yourself, young. Helen. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not so young. <laughs> My husband used to work for the water board, so he knows all the names of the Rezzers. So I used to work on here cleaning them up years ago. Really? What did he do? I'm always intrigued by what do they do? The, um, well, what did he tell you he did? The trees grow in the reservoir one. Right. They cleaned up all the leaves on the side. Mm-hmm. They just looked after things. Um, not my father-in-law, my grandfather-in-law used to be a reservoir keeper at Armfield. Yes. Armfield yes. reservoir. Well, you kept that Which quiet, didn't you? <laughs> I'm 56 next, I'm 55 this year, so... And he had it replaced, so it's just a bit hard getting over that sty. But good exercise for yes. you though, right? You must enjoy it. Do you go yeah. up the zigzag path or up the steps? Them, them steps there? Yeah. Well, actually, I go up them. Do you? I didn't today, I went up that hill and that's... Oh, you went up the, up the hill instead, yeah? I'm yeah. trying it, but I do go up the steps, yeah, because I think it's good for you, isn't it? It is very good yeah. for you, using steps, yeah. Yep, definitely using muscles that you don't so use. I'm saying that, I live in a cottage that's got steps like that. <laughs> <laughs> right, I'm going to have a listen to the water over here. We will let you get into the warmth of your car. Is it over there? Oh, lovely. Oh, well, I might poke my microphone through the window. He's just coming around in a car. On the spot interviewing, guys. Don't we love these episodes? This poor man. Mind the dog poo, Helen. Hello, I heard that you used to work on the reservoir. Yeah, years ago, yeah. What, what did you do? I'm always curious, what do people do? Uh, we used to do the drywalling and cut the grass on the bankings and right. look after the foresters and stuff like that, yeah. Was there like a particular reservoir that you had to look after, or all of them? Uh, near enough, all of them, but there were gangs of lads, you know, like four and five in a gang, like, and there'd be about three gangs working up the valley. Yeah. And um, we used to... Um, turn this off with that we used to do the aqueduct from the end of that reservoir there Vale House House, where the Vale House House is Mm -hmm. we used to get in there underground in the aqueduct it's all stone built and all the way down there all the way through here and what we used to do the trees used to burst through the pointing so we had to cut all the roots off we used to have lads on top we used to push the roots to a manhole he drop a bucket down and we put all the and he'd pull them up like then we move them on and see that there the the, the wheelhouse there so it's like a valve house yeah, yeah. well you drop down you drop down there he climbed down the ladder to go on the next session and you go underneath what we see underneath. now and uh, we had lights on miners had lights on yeah wow. and we went all the way through to tin whistle then it comes out to the uh, treatment plant 
Then we'd go across the road, get in it again, and we'd go all the way to Dodley and I. Were you in a boat or you're walking? Walking. Walking through an aqueduct? On. Yeah. Wow. And it was like, this part here, especially this part, because this was like 1800s, yeah. all the way through. And you start to stoop. So you read about like that. So it's not a tall man's job? No. And I'm not on the bends. And he was six foot then? I was six foot. <laughs> I was seven, six foot. And then on the bends, you used to get a lot of silt, you know, off the hills. Yeah. So you had to scrape it off and you had to do it with plastic. You couldn't do it with metal things because of spark, because of methane. Wow. You know, off the gases, off the peat. Yes. So you had to, you had to do it with plastic uh, travels like. When were you working on the reservoirs then? How oh. long for? I got made, we got, when Margaret Thatcher privatised them in 1990. 88, 89, 90. That's when it all started to privatise and United Utilities took over then. So what? that's what we used to do. We used to, any drywall, any walls, what was over, like the path along there, going along the reservoir. All the way to the zigzags, yeah? Yeah. We used to clip, that used to be all spotless. Yeah. There were no leaves on it, were all open. We did that, we did that and stuff like that. And little catchment areas all, up, all the way up the valley mm. where the water come down the gullies they used to put little catchment areas if you have a walk around and have a look. we used to get up to them and we used to shovel them out we used to dig them out and it what it were to catch the silt going in the reservoirs to get it out before it went in yeah oh. that's why you see go further up to where the yachting place is you know the one there it's like a beach in it yeah. tour side tour side yeah. yeah where it comes down the valley there that's a big one that and uh, that's why it's beached up because all the silt and the sand what's come down over the years, whereas we used to get it out before it did that. Amazing. What's yeah. your name? Jimmy. Jimmy, well, really, thank you. It were a lot of employment for the local people because there were a lot of Adfield lads, Glossop lads, yeah. what you used to work with. The, the uh, officers down there, they used to have their own joiner shop, mm -hmm. their own painter's shop, the blacksmith shop, and all the work. Because that house down there was a waterman's house. Yeah. And he'd walk round these two reservoirs and part of the other one. And if there was a wall down, he'd go off his head and tell, tell, and then he'd send a gang of lads out to build it. Yeah. It was all good stuff, you know. I used yeah. to enjoy it. You used to get plenty of time, get a good suntan, like. <laughs> <laughs> Jimmy, we will leave you be, and also right. you two. Get dry. Okay. Thank you. Take care. Bye. Oh, turn around here, and there's a. All the water. Wow, that was fascinating, Helen, wasn't it? Yes. We've got a whole new view of the reservoirs. Let's take a right here and stick along, back along bottoms. You can hear all the water raging at Vale House Dam. I see under them viaducts, the aqueducts that he was talking about, to actually, if they open them up for people to actually explore, that These would be days. amazing, wouldn't it? Do you know what this area is called, this little bit, this path? I've seen photos, black and white photos, Paradise Way. Oh, yes, Anyone who comes heard. to park up here near Vale House Reservoir, it's Paradise Way. Yes. Right. So you can even hear for, for that lady, she's had a hip replacement, she's getting back out, it's relatively flattish, she's got spaces to challenge herself if she wants to go up some of the steps and some of the steeper banks. That's where I suppose the flexibility of the reservoir appeals to a lot of people because in the second episode yes. I was chatting with people on this very same bridge and asking why are they here what are they doing and one lady said she was having um, she just had a knee replacement so it was great for her to yeah, just get moving rotation. something yes 
because it's flat it's accessible it, it is it's the they are ideal from a point it's almost like having our own um, countryside park on our doorstep isn't it yes um i mean you're kind of giving us a flavor helen of the various things that you do i mean what a job sounds like no day is ever the same <laughs> the transformation you must get to witness of people of the early seeds of conversations and turning that yes. into something that is living and breathing in a sustainable um, group is incredibly rewarding and I will always look out for the Reservoir Ramblers on what day do you say? Wednesdays? Wednesdays. Right, whenever Wednesday I'm here, yeah. I will always look out for them. Yeah. Just as a side note, before we round this episode off, you mentioned that, so was it your great-grandfather worked on Armfield Reservoir? What was, what's that about? He was a reservoir keeper, so he, unfortunately, um, he's passed away now, it would have been over 100 now anyway, but... Was it your great-grandfather or your grandfather? It's my husband's grandfather. Right. Um... I believe he used to breed fish to put in the in the reservoir, so he had all these small stone tanks that like embedded in the floors and things. And he was the person that did all like the made sure that the mechanics of it was still looked ran smoothly. And he's walked us around um, Swallows Woods many times when in my younger years, um, explaining to us what what he did, how he kept the reservoir clean and they used the fish to oxygenate the water which i didn't know you know it's like really i thought they didn't want fishing reservoirs but apparently they do <laughs> certain types of fish so he'd breed them and he'd put them in there and make sure that there was the right you know that there was at the right stocked level and that sort of thing so so yeah my family my husband's family are from Tintwistle. um my family actually from greater manchester but i was born in Hadfield. Sounds like a Romeo and Juliet. <laughs> <laughs> the outsider marries someone from Tintwistle. Tintwistle, yeah. Of yeah. course, Swallowwoods, Swallowswoods used to be a reservoir. Many people probably don't know this. Yes. It was Hollingworth Reservoir because yes. at one point there were seven. So we're walking along like the bottom of one of the fifth one, but yes. then Armford was number six, and, yeah. Hollingworth was seven, but they gave up on that one yes. and they decided to call it Swallowwoods. Which is one of the ones that he kept. So he kept Swallowwood and Armfield. So that was his patch wow well so. if if your husband has any photos of that let us know because um that is what we're really enjoying collecting people's stories you know we want to make our digital map londondale tales um something that is is tangible livable for the community because we are crossing so many different you know different towns the, the londondale stretch of these reservoirs is a big old place okay. if you are listening thinking yes my grandfather also used to do that <laughs> then get in contact with us i put an, an email address on our website where you can reach out i mean helen is there anywhere that people can just go google more about what it is you do um if they wish to find out more we have um facebook page um which is move more high peak because we are part of a bigger strategy of getting people to move more so um gossip is the beginning of it and when it's spreading to the high peak so it's move more high peak is the facebook page but we're also on the bureau's website um we have our own page on the bureau's website so if you just click on move more on the bureau's website it lists the walking groups we have milestone walking routes which are up to 10k we have the park story walks are on there as well we've got some history walks on there around the two parks as well in in gossip so there's lots of information on there. There's a link through to a timetable of loads of activities that are going on in Glossop as well. So not just walking. It's I would say Glossop. I should say Glossop Dale. It covers everybody um, that's within that that area. So 
you know, that's a good place to start. Having them conversations with people. People have always got something of value to tell you, haven't they? <laughs> what I find really enjoyable about being here is you can start a conversation with anybody. Yeah. Most people are really friendly. Mm. They won't tell you to do one. Nope. And I have been overwhelmingly surprised by how nice everybody is even if I walk up to them with a microphone they'll still be willing to have a chat with me and that is the place that we live that yes. is what the area and the people of Longdondale are like yes. they are friendly yes. they're approachable and now we know thanks very much little birdie that there are also groups that do that look Helen we will round it up there as we navigate a ridiculously muddy section hang on you can listen to this if you wish Oh, a mouthful of midges. That didn't go down so well. Right, I'm going to round this off. Do come and have a look at our online map. And uh, we'll just turn around and see how peacefully still the reservoir is. Actually, there's a little bit of snow just on some of the higher bits. The line of pylons in our vision. Clouds are just teetering on the top of the moors right opposite us. And the lorries are back passing the Woodhead Pass. And there's all the birds. And the tiny little circles in the water in front of us, just dotted all over the reservoir. So peaceful. And we're almost near a bench. Well, we've survived the rain. Hope you get out today and get, go out for a walk and move a little yourself. Take care.